America, land of the free, from Florida to Alaska. But freedom comes with responsibility. We at Hazelwood Oil are doing our duty to help clean up the environment. With chlorofluorocarbons in the air, the ozone depleting, factory runoff, and unavoidable accidental oil spills, there's a lot we can all pitch in on. Hazelwood Oil is doing our part to reverse the damage. Are you? Satan wants your soul. And if you participate in Halloween, he shall have it. This is spiritual warfare. The streets are the battlefields. Be soldiers of Christ. Stop your neighbors from celebrating Halloween. Save their souls. Save yours. You are listening to Fruitless, a podcast hosted by me, Josiah Sutton. That's been missing for a few weeks, but we're back. We're back, and we're going to spam your feed with a bunch of episodes. Uh, This is episode 17, WNUF Halloween Special, featuring Spike Stonehand, where we talk about WNUF Halloween Special and what makes a found footage movie good. Hope you enjoy. Well, uh, welcome everybody to Fruitless. I am joined today by Spike Stonehand or uh, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Yo, how are you today? <laughs> uh, I am pretty good. I am pretty good. This is, as I, I mentioned off mic, this is probably the latest I've started recording a Fruitless episode in a minute. And so I'm excited to see, like, as I get more tired, how that's going to go. <laughs> right. I, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a fitting theme for the discussion today. I think so. It has a kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah, like the kind of like weird TV you see and you're kind of tired and it's like midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, what was that? What what product is even being advertised to me right now? I don't know <laughs> <laughs> who is paying for this this 3 a.m. commercial, but they're, <laughs> it feels very targeted, this advertisement. <laughs> So real quick, um, yeah, I asked you to come on and uh, actually be the first episode here of the fruitless kind of October, I don't know, horror themed month, right? Just going to have, um, you know, people come on and talk about favorite horror movies. And originally when I reached out to you, we mentioned we, we, we kicked back and forth Evil Dead, but that almost felt like too easy. I mean, Evil Dead's an amazing, perfect movie. And I think like most people have seen it, right? But WNUF's Halloween special, <laughs> I think that's that's a more specific cult object. Um, and also one that you've yeah. made yourself an apologist for. So maybe tell us a little bit well, about An evangelist, that maybe. <laughs> oh, an evangelist, excuse me. Uh, you know, so I, I think I first heard about it uh, from another horror movie podcast that, you know, they, that it's, uh, you know, that digs through the the detritus of the horror movie landscape to try and find the few gems uh, here and there and you know i think that that it's it's a movie that how you encounter it i think affects your enjoyment of the movie uh i think i can so. imagine I can really you know, see that that there's i i read on the wikipedia page for the wnf halloween special that the director allegedly has hidden vhs tapes across america uh, <laughs> yes. and i can imagine you know i don't know if this is true or not but you know if someone found an actual vhs of this and put it <laughs> in their family <laughs> bought a vhs system on ebay and 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 yep. watched it that that would totally 
change how you view this movie. You know, it's it's, it's, it's oh just... yeah. So so for those who don't know, WNUF Halloween Special is uh, a found footage movie. Although I will say, what you're picturing a found footage movie to look like, get rid of that in your head. It, it doesn't <laughs> quite have that feel at all. It is it it is designed to look like a you know just a videotaped se- section of TV during the late '80s where a um a news station is i mean what they're kind of a public access station is having this this guy come and explore a haunted house um right it's so like they would you know back in the day do like you know it's like an actual special like uh you know not mm. 60 minutes is is a prestigious version of this this is the you know local news version <laughs> this is of, the local news you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like what? What do we? What, you know, how can we trick people into way spending an hour of their time watching the news on Halloween night instead of, you know, going to a party, uh, <laughs> you know, hanging out with friends? Like, no, let's watch the local news. Uh, go yeah. investigate a haunted house well, with the charisma of the man Frank Stewart, of course, leading the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, and what a figure he is. Uh, Truly. That, that's one of the things that I really noted this this viewing is is uh, so the the newscaster he's so fucking funny. Um, he he's he comes off as just a huge asshole the whole time it's it's like just hostile to everybody he's questioning and talking to uh, you know he, oh, he he'll God. he'll walk up to the you know the random people uh that are that are uh, gathered in costume for this new special <laughs> and and uh it just talks to them like they're children or or just not fully there ghostbusters oh very funny okay uh, sir do you uh do you believe in ghosts well i know that there's casper the friendly ghost but yeah I think... well you know that wasn't a real ghost that was a fictional ghost I, I'm sorry if you didn't realize that. I don't mean to burst your bubble. Uh, you, ma'am, do you believe in ghosts? Hi. 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 What was the question? The question was that I've been asking everyone here uh, for a while is, do you, okay, do you believe it? Try to focus here. It's, <laughs> it's oh, it's so mean. And, um, yeah, I so... <laughs> you know okay so th- this was on shutter like what uh, a year or two ago and then it has been yanked yes so that's how i first like watched the- it yeah and and i they got a bump from that i think they got put on shutter because the sequel which we're not talking about tonight but that came out two years ago so i think it got brought on show yes. like on on shutter along with the sequel and then you know i don't know the various streaming rights things just yank everything but um so because of that you and i both had to speed buy this blu-ray to do this episode and this is a it's it's a great blu-ray if you want to watch this movie you should just buy the blu-ray it is it's great you know it's it's you're buying it to support a local artist you know it's 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 uh yeah <laughs> you get some sort yeah, of value they're... out of that too i think i think so yeah it, it you know when it arrived it felt the same as i, I bought a few um I don't know if you're into important cinema club, but just into clues label uh, gold ninja video. And I, there's just such a like homemade quality to the Blu-rays. That's just really nice. Oh, yeah. I don't know. But um, no, this had a bunch of special features. So I tried to work through them while I was working today. And oh, what they? I, what I found, Oh, they were, they were actually, the commentaries are really, really entertaining on this. Um, Cause there's one to, from, yeah, like, I, mean, 20- I didn't have time to check that out. Yeah, uh, one from 2014 with uh, just the director, Chris uh, LaMartina, I think, I believe is his name. And then, um, yeah, the the other one had like cast and crew. But what, anyway, all I was, I'm getting at with that was that the, 
um, the like role of the newscaster, you know, Frank Stewart, that character, um, played by uh, Paul Ferenkopf. Ferenkopf? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but Paul, he worked with Chris like a bunch in the past, and they wrote the role just for him. Okay. And most of the funny scenes uh. are just ad libbed, where they did have just a crowd of people that they told to just be as insufferable <laughs> as possible as like audience <laughs> members and then just have him like riff on them. So like, um, yeah, like some yeah. of my favorite interactions are from that are like, um, <laughs> what the, the, uh, lady who said, or what, what she says, like, um, I believe in good ghosts. Do you believe in ghosts? Yeah. Well, no. Yes. I, yes. Well, no. Okay, the, like, like friendly kinds, like happy ghosts. You know, like when your grandmother passes away, but you know, like my mom told me, you know, she would always be there and, you know, she'll look after me. Like, that's like, like she's happy. Yeah. And, and, yeah. You, and you believed her when she said that. Well, I mean, I like to. I think so. And they, oh, gave, and they gave your dog away to a farm where it could be happy, right? Oh, no, I didn't have a dog. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> right. <Sorry. laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just, you know, and, and, and I think that that, uh. You know the the fact that all those are, are ad libbed, but in a way that um I don't, I don't know it, it, compared to other improvisational comedy. You know I guess this kind of more improvisational acting that happens to be funny, mm-hmm. and it adds that kind of um you know the verisimilitude. I guess that you you really that that's that's the thing that sticks out to me most about this movie is is that um it it doesn't feel like a bunch of actors. Uh, no. or it doesn't even feel like a bunch of people acting like they're not actors. You, you know, it's it's. Uh, I don't know how they were able to capture that compared to a lot of other. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of other found footage movies in particular that I feel like can really. Uh, that that's where they really they, it, it's, it's so hard yeah. to describe uh, good acting, but <laughs> uh, you know this 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 movie of people that you know I you don't know their names you probably don't know the director but they are able to capture really well without um any sense of irony or 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 or, you know they're not there's no one's doing the joss weed and like well that happened you know kind of no so the the jokes are all from how sincere it is yeah and you can like you can tell there's a degree of self-awareness but it's in the writing not in the delivery and i think that makes a whole Mm -hmm. difference right because like I don't know. You can tell some of the, uh, <laughs> I don't know, some some of the uh, the commercials. I don't know if we said this, but a big chunk of it is that it, it's like every ten minutes it interrupts with these commercial breaks with fake commercials that uh, essentially Chris uh, La Martina like they they <laughs> like crowdsourced among all their friends and of like comedians and actors they knew and just built these very real commercials. Uh, but some of the writing to those feels like you can tell it's self-aware. It knows how it's sounding, but it's being delivered in such a way that it looks exactly like an ad from this time. So you kind of am like, are they like, is this a is this a joke or not? I can't. I, I think it playing itself mm. so straight is part of why it it works so well. Oh, for sure. And and one of the other things uh, that I really noticed about the commercials this viewing is that as the night went on as, as as you know the hypothetical newscast that they're recording 
went past the prime time and into the the late night the commercials themselves <laughs> changed and became more dark you know uh, the yeah yeah you can track you can track how the night's going based off of the uh, don't do drugs psas that it starts off in a much uh, you know like you would imagine a childhood drug PSA would go, but as the night goes on, it becomes more and more, you know, you're going to die from sharing a needle, <laughs> you know? It, it just gets more and more, like, trying to scare you. <laughs> yeah, and then you get, like, you know, as it's getting into the night portion, it's like, there's, like, ads for strip clubs and stuff like that. Like, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's totally like like local TV. The later in the night, it's like, okay, this is the age-appropriate stuff, like the... The kids have been not advertise the arcade and pizza anymore. Yeah, now we can yeah, tell right. you about you know astrology and uh... Uh, they're they're really great. The um, uh, one of my favorite ads is like from early on in the beginning, and actually I'm I'm gonna stick the audio from it at the beginning of the episode because it makes me laugh so hard. It's the oil company doing the environmentalism commercial, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's it just, so and, and subtle, you know. Again. <laughs> Like, you know, again, they play it so straight. Like, the, the joke really only makes sense because you're a viewer watching it in the current year and not live in the <laughs> 1980s. And in if you were watching this fake commercial when it supposedly aired, it wouldn't have been funny. I mean, maybe uh, if you were really plugged I, in to the environmental scene, but... Yeah, I mean, it, I think the only way it tips its hat is the... So it, <laughs> The commercial is just listing like, oh, we can, we all, we all can do our part. You know, there's all this fucked up stuff in the world, but we're doing our part and you do your part. And one of the things in the list of like, you know, it's like the ozone layer depleting and stuff is it goes, um, unavoidable accidental, unavoidable accident. <laughs> Jesus, I can't even say that. Unavoidable accidental oil spills. <laughs> <laughs> Which, man, yeah, I don't even know my my oil spill history enough. In you know, being in Texas, yeah, the the oil spills are a big part of you know the background radiation of my life. I remember there was a un, unrelated to the movie side note. There was a you know every year they have a, a or the the school uh, statewide testing questions right, and for for one of the high school math questions one year was. Uh, it was it was like hey you know so uh, hypothetically if there's a there's an oil spill that's spilling you know water out at their uh, oil out at this rate after this much time you know how much oil has spilled out like for you know a high school physics test and literally the next year was the bp oil spill it was like they were they were trying to find the key mathematicians using the state exam to like oh you know the like, like the last starfighter but for solving oil spills it's like what's what's going on yeah that's it's really great yeah so okay it, it it since it's a lot of it is broken up and i i feel like the first 20 minutes to a half hour you it really does just feel like you're watching the news and you know you get to the like these kind of like early oh, segments yeah. that introduce like the uh the anti-halloween protesters who are going to become important by the end and um you know, you mm-hmm. I, we're going to be spoiling this movie probably by talking about it. So just a just a warning. It's, it's kind of hard to talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, just I guess a warning now. But um, I think it's still worth watching, even if you know it's coming. I, I think it it still works plenty fine. But um, no, yes, yeah, so, you know, it introduces these like pieces of what are going to ma- kind of matter. There's that 
like dentist buyback candy program because the dentist doesn't want anyone eating candy. <laughs> yeah. The reality of this, it, it's astounding to me. This so the so we get first the dentist is offering a dollar for every pound of candy. Yeah. Uh, and then later on, he says that uh, first visit is free. If you, if you <laughs> and, and, uh, just watching that, uh, I don't know if this how intentional it was, but this is just one of those like. I mean, is this movie trying to make a point about healthcare? Is <laughs> yeah. this trying to, that this dentist can afford to take out TV ads and give <laughs> buy one get one and <laughs> candy buyback instead of a gun buyback? I don't, it's just I'm wondering if there's some sort of obscure point here about you know our special teeth that are, are are not included in our normal healthcare. Now, so okay, like I wouldn't call this movie an exploitation movie by any means, but what this one thing that kind of um, this makes me think of an exploitation movie is. I what I know from what I listened to, there was not at all an attempt to make po- politics a focus in this movie. Like, it is not supposed to be a political movie. But exploitation movies often end up having really interesting politics because they're just kind of like a like a fly trap, like a sticky fly trap of culture. And because they're just like trying to include, you know, include as much culture of just things around them as possible, it does kind of end up being a political object. And I think this was the same because, you know, Chris Chris LaMartina, you know, he just sat down and watched like hours and hours and hours of recorded 80s TV before making this. And so, you know, he might have just been picking up probably the worst type of TV there is. (laughs) Honestly. to watch <laughs> you know and i think it was his, his grandmother or something it just taped everything so he had just tons of tapes of just 80s tv and was able to just watch it and so i wonder if he's just whether intending these political points or not just picking it up i mean because it was just what was in the air in the 80s and comes out pretty apparently yeah you get a couple different um rival uh political <laughs> campaign ads you know from uh, that they're taking their jabs at each other like oh i don't want to i don't want to stoop low and mention my uh my opponent's affair that he had you know that's one Um, of the best lines petty little issues and this commercial that he has running i want to talk about the issues that concern the residents of our state but if you want to talk about these little issues these insignificant things like his infidelity i'm more than willing to talk about but my favorite part about this is that you you get a you know is that is that you actually kind of do get uh the perspective of the person recording this local tv a little bit uh through the what, what segments they choose yeah, to fast yeah, forward kind of a, um yeah. and so so you get you these these political ads you get kind of like the first 10 seconds of it and then whoever's recording no, this no is like ah, this. And no one no one cares about the details of this policy. let me fast forward let's 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 go make sure to watch the the next commercial that's like a incredibly horny popcorn <laughs> ad you know, like it's, it's, i love that especially because um they, they have a few ads that they run like multiple times throughout it and so i think it's the the carpet ad mm-hmm. he watches it two times full and it's the third time that it shows up that it fast forwards. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, in, it's so interesting, too. Can you think about like the, the idea of found footage that that, um, it, you know, the real life example of this often, you know, that actually makes it to the movie theaters would be a documentary like mm-hmm. Grizzly Man, right, where you really get Herzog's interpretation and, and mm-hmm. selection of, ed- of events and the editing here. Uh, and a lot of found footage, I feel like you you kind of don't ever get the perspective of mm. the archivist. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a good. You point. know what I mean? It's like who's who's 
who's taking all this footage and editing it together and and mm-hmm. <laughs> releasing it you know that you kind of get that you know like the the a with with mm-hmm. for which you know like none of the actors did any city appearance for yeah. months beforehand before that movie was released and they they really tried to sell you on like no this is a real this is actually footage that we found and edited together i'm the guy mm-hmm. edited together and they all do interviews with <laughs> the actors we Which... haven't been able to find them yeah i don't know just there's something about getting that like authorial perspective on hey this is the footage i found yeah and, and yeah choosing to upload or choosing to put to VHS. i think that's that's a good point because yeah. i think that's what fails with a lot of found footage is that you're kind of like why the fuck do they have these cameras? Like it doesn't play any role in the actual story as like, yeah, this one has a distinct, like I know what is happening and why it looks the way it does within the kind of, you know, it, this story cannot be told a different way. Mm-hmm. It like it, the, the way it's being delivered in the like found footage format is like, it, that's, that's how it needs to be told is with the ad breaks and the ad breaks do add like the very least comedic value to some stuff. You know, the, uh, right. <laughs> we, we didn't get this far in the movie or yet, but I'll, you know, I'll say it now when, when the, uh, two, when the couple goes missing and they, they walk off and storm off the show, mm-hmm. you still get the commercial break right afterwards. It's advertising their book as if they'd been on this whole time and they'd been really insightful. <laughs> you know, it like, it actually enhances. Yeah. It. You know what? We might as well kind of move forward with the story like a little bit. So um, after it kind of does that, like, you know, local news, you get mm-hmm. the introduction of the anti-Halloween people. Oh, you get the story of one of the darkest bits. Okay. This one feels pretty intentionally political. I don't know. Was the, the, um, the kid that got shot by the Vietnam vet toward the beginning. <laughs> I always, I forget oh, about that yeah. right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, like it, 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 that is kind of the first interjection of um, darkness yeah. kind of into this, the, the proceedings. That's, that's the first moment oh. where like, Oh, um, you know, that there's a, a Vietnam veteran who mistakes a, a well, local um, yeah. Asian boy for uh Viet Cong soldier and and, uh, and shoots him and that's uh, you know that that's that kind of like I think that that, just, that had happened you know a year before and they're the you know the guy is now facing the death penalty and it's like all right and then moving on to yeah it has uh, the delivery know, of what's like the, we got a spooky movie coming <laughs> for your neck you know? no it totally that totally fits the like local news vibe like that you know I, I even like here in Iowa even like now news will have stuff like that where it's like. Okay, here's this thing. Oh, this woman was hate crimed. Um, and then now puppies? Yeah. Here's a segment about puppies. You know, it like it's it's I don't know. It it, it kind of just it reflects the look of that kind of um daytime news kind of yeah, it's like the like the the true crime the true crime, you know, like and you know, and 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 the killer broke into her house. And if you don't want the killer to break into your house, you need to buy our bespoke alarm system. <laughs> you know, that's right. Se- seamlessly segue into the advertisement. That, that, that it feels very similar to that. Um, but you know, I guess you know, we, in theory, hold our news media to a higher standard than true crime podcasters. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know, yeah, maybe we maybe. shouldn't. Is <laughs> what the, the thesis of this movie? Yeah, that's yeah, that's one reading. Yes. <laughs> Well, so, yeah, so, I mean, actually, you know, yeah, they like, they're running the controversy, you know, they're like at the, at their, yeah, like, yeah, we yeah. got to show both sides here. We got to show the people that are satanic panic, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to 
scare well, people about Halloween and the evils of it. Yeah, you know. I mean, I don't know if this is too far fetched, but I mean, there's a degree where when when she's talking to the camera and she's like, "Stop Halloween," and, you know, "Stop your neighbors from having like doing Halloween." It's like she's she is using this the the media to kind of rally the troops for what later will come later right that i mean i don't know if that's too far-fetched for mm-hmm. reading but i mean it's kind of there right that like no yeah giving that, extremists yeah. the voice kind of causes what, yeah yeah you know and, and so there's to me there's two really scary moments in the movie like generally kind of unsettling yes. moments um and so the first one is is the first uh, instance of like on-camera violence, which we can talk about in you know later if you want. Mm. But the second scary moment to me is um, kind of towards. So it's kind of towards the end of the movie. Uh, things have gone off the walls. There's maybe you know some sort of uh, we we don't know what's happened to some of the the characters that stormed off, but were never seen walking outside. Mm. Um, and and it seems like there's maybe someone running in the house. The door is locked that wasn't locked before. Uh, and they cut to um the assistant out in the van who's the kind of backup broadcast and she plays a pre-recorded segment that is super you know leaning into the satanic panic and that to me was maybe the most unsettling part of the whole movie like it you know that the it almost felt like i i don't think that uh, the violence that happens at the end with the the anti-halloween people I don't, I don't think we ever see her in particular but it feels like she's part of it's kind of yeah. You, th- th- maybe she's in on all of the violence that's going on that, all night. Yeah, it's it was so insane. That little segment, right, where it just throws this like you know, yeah, satanic panic, like yeah, um, you know that you think Satanism is in around the corners. Well, there's been an uptick of like animal sacrifices in our area stuff. It it's Lovecraftian for just like two minutes. It like quickly is like you don't mm-hmm. you know it's like it's not gonna like lead too far into it, but it's kind of like is there some like strange spiritual event taking place in this town and this is and we just are unaware of it, you know? Like you know, because they're just throwing it in this little yeah. segment, but like, yeah, okay, there's been this uptick of like satanic imagery everywhere. And and you know, and it's so um <laughs> the low fineness of this, uh, you know, I'd be interested if they talk about that in any of the commentary, but it's, I assume, not actually shot on VHS, but edited to look think, like a really degraded. I think so, VHS some of it copy. is. But it, that, there's yeah, something about that. But but they, they ran it through three three VHS tapes. They like scanned off a VHS tape and then put it wow. through another. So that's why it looks like shit. Oh. <laughs> wow. Huh. Anyway, but yeah. Yeah, because I mean, there's, there's just something about, especially that. That this uh, assistant newscaster that's delivering her, you know, be scared of Satanist report. That you know, she looks so uncanny too, with all of the, the with the, the lighting, the harsh lighting. Yeah, yeah. And that how you know it's been run through this VHS filter so much that she kind of looks monstrous while she's delivering this, you know, be scared mm-hmm. report. I don't know. There's just something about that that moment in particular that uh, really. Um, was genuinely eerie to me <laughs> unsettling watch yeah i i think the movie does despite being really funny also is kind of genuinely ups- upsetting especially if you try to get in the headspace of like i'm just zoned out watching tv and then my tv is suddenly mm-hmm. showing what appears to be snuff content by the end you know <laughs> like there's something like yeah just truly like 
I don't know, unsettling as the stakes are rising. But um, so quickly so that we everyone kind of knows what happens, you know, in the, you know, actual, you know, the actual chunk of chronologically yeah, <laughs> is. Yeah. So they, they do this tour of the house and they bring in. Let's see. So the main guy, of course, Frank Stewart is the, you know, like hosting the whole thing. And then they bring in a couple that seems roughly based off. um ah, who What's their name from The Conjuring? The, the Warrens, the, the Ed, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it, it seemed like loosely based off kind of that, you know, so you have this like, you know, psychic uh, kind of couple that, that can kind of see what's going on and they have their their little doodads that can record the sound of ghosts and, you, you know, you know, all the shit that you do with a haunting house. And their and their cat shadow. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's more of a partner <laughs> than than uh, just a pet. They, they emphasize multiple times and Frank is, uh, you know, really mocking about, of course. <laughs> Yes. Oh, it's just great cat. Just a good, good cat appearance. Um, although if you're an animal lover, I don't know if you should watch it because yeah, things don't end well for the Maybe cat. not. Yeah. That, that would be the major. <laughs> yeah. Content warning for the movie. Yeah. yeah. I would say, I would say actually, yeah, this is the only, the main thing I would say is, you know, I, I, most of this movie is not that unsettling, but there is some animal cruelty faked, but nevertheless it's, you know, I know that bothers people, so be aware of that. Yeah. Well, that was that to me. That's that's the other scary moment of the yes. movie because that's the first time where there's some real, like <laughs> everything up to this point could be just a, a bad newscast. Yeah. That you would watch, uh, you know, at, at, or if you ever watch like on YouTube, they have it's usually, you know, embarrassing moments, fail compilation of local news stuff. But I've you know I've watched not stuff from the 80s but i you know watch a decent amount of that and it, there's nothing up to that point that really is too out of the ordinary until the camera cuts you know, after a commercial break and uh, you know you can tell everyone is distressed everyone's immediately stressed out and the camera kind of like cuts just shows a little bit of cat violence and then immediately pans away and and, and frank is like oh god no don't don't show, don't show that. it yeah um, like it just, it like you know the, like like really, and to me that's just uh, it, it, like it's kind of like the Jaws effect, right? Like like not showing it in makes it up worse. close and super detail well, is, is it's 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 it feels more real. It feels like how you would really react to there being a, a mutilated cat on on in front yeah, of you, you know, or, or like seeing it on TV specifically is you would be like, no way, are they gonna show? Oh my god, they're showing it, and then Frank, you know, kind of backs up your reaction. Of being like, no, to the cameraman, like, don't yeah. do that. And they cut to the, you know, deliver an apology for the violent image you may have seen. And it all it all makes it feel like, like you said, how you would imagine a real life version of this to play out. Yeah. Um, for, for me, actually, the first moment that got me to jump is kind of silly because it's not really a big jump scary kind of thing but it, it's um the first protester that interrupts the proceeding so like the very beginning when they're right outside mm. the house yeah. the only reason is because up until this point it feels like um a very just warm normal local tv segment and then like yeah just some young guy out of nowhere just coming and grabbing frank and screaming at him and then getting dragged off it's like oh there's something going on here you know it 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 kind of ru- ruptures the illusion of this just being kind of like a nice small town thing up until this point that there there might be more going on. Um, but yeah, so so when they when they do the tour through the house, right? They they go through, and then the, I they brought it. I, I keep forgetting to mention. I think my favorite character actually, <laughs> who is the priest. Uh, so. Yeah, there's a lot there. 
semiotically. There's there's a lot happening. The, the priest is so funny. Uh, <laughs> just um, even though he he barely says anything. But yeah, so so Frank Stewart brings out this priest that's part of their kind of four, you know, the four of them, and he is just this completely mortified guy. Like I, until you find out who he really is at the very end, I think the impression you get is this is like you know, like on year one of being a priest, kind of priest is like I think the initial impression that I get, <laughs> like I got was just like this guy, he just doesn't, he's just not been doing this very long. <laughs> and- <laughs> Right, he he drew he drew the short straw at the parish. You know, the the, the you get the impression at first you're, you're saying that oh, you know that that the experienced fathers are like I'm not going to do this local news segment. Um, you know, can you do it for you know I don't know. It, it, that's the other, it, you know the whole all of the movie is very Protestant except for the priest. You know, and he's kind of just that symbol of uh, you know authenticity to yeah. any sort of you know demon spooky action but you know everything else is feels much more you know kind of small town midwest you know protestant not not you know east coast old money catholic yeah and and of course the only catholic you get is this yeah priest who just yeah kind of looks like a midwest priest You know, he he keeps getting pressured into you know the the Frank is and and we're gonna do an exorcism live on <laughs> air like, and, and he's like the priest is is so uncomfortable like well technically I guess I was trained it's part of baptism and and funerals and weddings but to do an exorcism but I, I really don't know if it's appropriate at this <laughs> instance the Vatican Frank's like but you're gonna do it <laughs> the Vatican doesn't give me permission to do it and Frank's is like yeah but you're gonna do it so you get these four characters they explore the house they see some I don't know kind of spooky shit and then um uh oh they do the they do the recording the kind of classic recording thing and then you know play it back and then uh, supposedly a demon is saying leave um in it they do a they do a live seance in the basement where uh, people can call in and ask questions but you know no one actually asks. you get a bunch of people calling in with like bart simpson joke level you know (laughs) (laughs) call-ins um yeah i so listening to the director's commentary they didn't um let like have any of the actors hear the calls that we're going to play ahead of time and then they also even chris didn't know which one was going to play he got a collection of like 20 and then just a soundboard or something and so he would just be like uh audio 12 and so he no one would know what was about to play <laughs> so there's like a very like live reaction feels all of this yeah <laughs> Um, and then of course the seance is what gets broken up at the discovery of, oh yeah, well, I didn't even mention, yeah, their audio equipment suddenly gets destroyed. And then after the seance, the cat gets destroyed. Yeah, podcaster's nightmare, yeah, po- you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you, so, um, this was, this was an interesting thing. They were, they were asking each other cause they all had different readings of their own movie on the commentary. And I want to, want to ask you, so who do you think crushed the audio equipment? You know, that's a good question. Um, cause definitely the, the first, you know, before I guess you really know the ending, um, my, my assumption is that it's all being faked for the local news, yeah. right? That, that, you know, <laughs> the way that, um, Frank tells them he keeps that, the, 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 the male of the of the seance couple 
is he keeps bringing up that his audio equipment was destroyed and frank is like we'll we'll handle it we'll cover it yeah yeah you know after the special and to me that that feels like a bit tipping your hand of like you know maybe they, they, they uh, you had yeah. had some sort of production assistant <laughs> breaking themselves you know to, to add to the <laughs> spookiness of it all yeah that's um um yeah i just i guess by the it's definitely possible that it's the protesters yeah. i kind of like it just took everything as oh it must have all been the protesters the whole time but going back on it and so like at least with most of the actors and the director they all thought frank did that and then what their line was that frank didn't kill the cat though <laughs> that was what it shifts uh partially because they just liked no, the character too that, much yes. and felt like that was a line it's, it's it's yeah like i said that's that's kind of the that intersection of you know uh, uh, uh you talked earlier about kind of getting lulled into this sense of you know i'm just watching the local news uh, that 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 um I don't know. That, that just feels kind of like, for lack of a better term, you know, the movie magic, right? Mm. It's, it's that you're um, like if you're playing a game, you're you're mentally fully giving yourself into the reality of mm. this, uh, you know, that I'm watching an '80s news broadcast, and that's the first moment that kind of breaks your understanding of reality. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because up until that point, yeah, the crushed audio equipment, it's like, yeah, okay, the studio guys would do it. But then it's like, either either everyone behind this program is a lot more fucked up than even they're letting on, or something else is happening here. It's like what changes, I think, with the death of the cat. Right. Yeah. And well, that's that's one of the other unsettling recurring bits throughout the night is, is the way that um, I, <laughs> what's going on in, in Frank's, the way he the, the actor will switch from this is a, a genuine reaction to unexpected things that I'm seeing, you know, a mutilated cat body or maybe destroyed equipment. Maybe he was expecting that. I don't know. Mm. Uh, you know, he, he's playing off of the unexpected dialogue between the other characters. And then he'll, he'll switch back into newscaster mode. <laughs> like, you know, like we've been joking about with the, the way that the, the broadcast itself switches from, you know, into commercials and yeah, has, yeah. has the little, um, pre-recorded you are watching the wnuf halloween special and you know that he's able to do that all in himself switch between a genuine reaction and you know and also I'm a, I'm a news broadcast person and that's that's a lot of the comedy but but it becomes unsettling as as the night yeah. goes on too you know yeah absolutely you know because yeah he's maintaining it and i think i think the reveal so after the death of the cat of course our, our um you know our our old couple leaves um and it's just the priest and frank and they go down into the basement to do an exorcism <laughs> that um he's insisting <laughs> insisting he will not do and um <laughs> yeah this whole final chunk is crazy so um priest priest does just the initial like crossing himself and then they hear fucking insane noises upstairs immediately and then find that the door is locked and they've been locked in the basement. Um, and uh, at this point, <laughs> this is, uh, th sorry, so the, why, I, why I wanted to keep going here is this is where you also see just how low Frank is going here. Because he is getting locked in this mm -hmm. basement. It, something is clearly happening. And, you know, the priest is freaking the fuck out. And then he goes, okay, now is the moment that you need to do the exorcism. And he puts the microphone in front of the priest, and finally the priest admits that he was a hired actor that Frank did not tell he was going to do this to. Folks, we are going where no camera crew has gone before. Father, Father, perform the exorcism. 
We're calling the police, Frank. Just break down the door and get out of there. Perform the exorcism. I am not a priest. I am shut a up. fucking actor. You shut the I'm hell up. I to do it. You ungrateful <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's it just calls into you know it 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 kind of lets you know almost at the end. Uh, it, 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 it's admitting that it's faked in a way that somehow makes it real. Ironically, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if you experienced that, but you know by revealing oh this part was fake, it's like but everything else that isn't uh, in a way that that really right. to me you know kind of magnifies that that final gut punch there that you get when the um, after they. Uh, I guess the, the the door opens, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, um, priest, yeah, you know, is is weeping and pissing his pants, and so door opens, you know, and and what we see from the from some footage earlier, I think too, when they were first in the basement, is one of the camera wasn't it one of the camera people? I don't remember get get hit get killed upstairs. Abruptly. Yeah, they they, they said an, it was an intern. Mm. I think, and and he, you know, um, like, unlike all of the professional cameramen, the whole time you can hear him breathing, and he clearly is not not cut out for excited to, to go into the house. Yeah, they're sending him in while he's uh, while Frank's locked downstairs to see who's locking the door. He clearly gets hit by an axe or something. It's very fast, and you also see the uh, the dead body of um, the the one of the one of the the couple. So you're like, oh god, there there's dead bodies mm-hmm. upstairs. And I, yeah, this is what it like switches to being like, I don't know, like, like reasonably upsetting. Like if the movie was just at this level the whole time, it wouldn't be a fun movie. <laughs> like this is what it kind of is like suddenly really <laughs> dark for a second. <laughs> and, and, you know, not only would it not be fun, but I think that, that it, uh, you know, a lot of horror movies do try to get that level for too much of the movie. And, and, and you kind of, pulls you out of it completely you're like okay i'm watching a movie i'm no longer mm. um buying into the 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 magic of what's going on right here because they're yeah you know just at that level of intensity for so long it's it's you can't maintain it i don't think no as this like it saves it and then brings it at the end and so yeah um frank and the camera camera folks the door abruptly opens they come up they get by, hit by whoever has the axe they're they die um or whatever we don't know Cameras go out and there's the technical difficulties thing, which is held about like 30 seconds. And it's just kind of upsetting, like how long he lets it go. Like they were originally planning to just have it be like a solid two minutes, but they thought people would stop, like stop watching if they went too long. But it's it's just long. It's not a it's not a movie theater where they're waiting for the credits. It's, you know, people they knew people are watching this like, you know, probably a lot of people are watching pirated copies, you know, online, like, Oh, watch this fucked up movie, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like they, 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 they could, they knew you had to, they had to keep you, I guess. Oh, <laughs> Makes man. sense. Oh, you know, we, we skipped over another one of the things, actually one of the scenes that I find creepiest and I don't remember when it exactly happens, but it's okay. when one of the, one of the various upsetting things happens and they don't know what to do with the cameras for a second. And so the producer quickly just throws on one of the news segments earlier and for some reason, yeah, it's yeah. it's the dentist buyback program again. Seeing it a second time is incredibly upsetting because you know the reason it's just playing is to fill dead air. And so it's, I don't know, it's just like really unsettling and uncanny the whole time because of that. You've seen the segment before and you know it's only yeah, there because I mean, there's something heinous happening. 
Kuleshov only theorized such a <laughs> cinematic technique. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but um, you could show the same footage, and one time it'd be annoying, annoying, and maybe a little funny, and the other time be incredibly fully upsetting. dreadful based yeah. off the context. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get to uh, the final like act of the movie here, um, where um, yeah, it comes back from the technical difficulties, and now. Whoever is murdering everybody has gotten a hold of the camera and um, you can see the bodies of the priest, the cup, the old elderly couple. And Frank is still alive and they, you know, pretty vividly on camera cut off his tongue. Um, and you also see one of the mm-hmm. whoever's holding the camera accidentally flashes um, the person like like shows the person next to him before she yells at him. Don't film me who is of course the protester we saw from the beginning who is organizing harvest the anti-halloween thing um so that's that's who did it that's it's the fundies <laughs> yeah do you think you know do you think i i wonder I, you know when i was watching it if this is the one moment where i wonder if if like a little they they go a little too far like, uh, like uh, if not not too far content wise but you know, I, I wonder if a little bit more of an ambiguous mm. kind of like if they if they cut this segment where they show all the dead bodies and they show the, who the person the killer is. You know, I wonder if they had just cut to what co- the final scene of the movie. Mm. If it, it might have been a little bit more interesting, just ambiguously, but it, it, discursively, it is it is kind of fun to get. You know, yes, it was the the fundamentalists. The, yeah, you know, the. Halloween is satanic, you know. It's yeah, ignoring Hollow's Eve again, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of that's the one part of the movie that I, you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent on. But everything else yeah. I stand by is good. I, you know, I I think I like it because I think there still is some ambiguity. Um, I I think like you can either have a basic reading of some crazy fundamentalists killed the guy who was on TV because he was advertising Halloween. Or there's still that kind of weird Lovecraftian undertone to it all because of the previous segment about the yeah. um, animal sacrifices in town. And also, you know, they, clearly everyone seemed to believe there was a malevolent spirit in the house. Like, you know, all the mm. psychics and all that. And yeah. so there's an element where, and like, it never explains like where the recording of leave comes from or anything like that. So Right, right. Like how much was faked, if anything, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, we know some level of fakery is occurring, but there's an ambiguity as to how much. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that I think is what helps me kind of forgive the kind of too much closure at the end, I think is because I, I still don't think we have the full picture and um, mm-hmm. I like that because I like it really feeling like something, something crazy was going on this night, you know, like, and we, we have no clue what was going on in this town. Um, and then, yeah, quickly we get the epilogue where it's the next day of the news and, or actually it's been five days and the, the news casters from the beginning are saying, we still don't know what the hell that was. And then you get the final gut punch <laughs> of the other newscaster, you know, coming up our Christmas special, <laughs> you know, like, it's so good. <laughs> just like, like, please, if you're out there, let us know, you know, what happened with this mystery five days ago, their bodies have not been recovered. <laughs> And also Christmas, <laughs> you know, it's time to do your shopping. <laughs> uh, it's so good. That final, yeah, that final punch is great. It's so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I really, I really like this movie. And you know, 
now that we've kind of like gone through the plot here more, um, you know, one of the questions I kind of threw at you, you know, when when we decided to do this movie was like, what makes a good found footage movie, which we kind of talked a little bit about at the beginning, because I think this is a this is an example you and I would both agree is like, this is a good found footage movie. But I also think you and I have watched yes, a lot yeah. of a cut above the rest. I've watched a lot of <laughs> shitty found footage movies, too, I'm assuming. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, several this month already. <laughs> you know, and, but. Well, I don't remember if we were recording or not, but you were talking about, um, you know, trying to watch a horror movie every day this month. And, um, you know, because of that defaulting oftentimes to the shortest one. So that you, when you do that, if you're unless you're watching, like finding like a golden spot of like, you know, 80s exploitation movies, maybe would be the short. But aside from like maybe that. If you're wanting like that 70 to 80 minute spot, it's going to be a shitty found footage movie from like some dropout of the mumblecore movement or some. <laughs> That's most of those. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think I can convince my fiance to watch like a, you know, a 50 minute experimental YouTube <laughs> horror movie. But, you know, if, 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 we, if I ever get there, that, that would that, you know, save so much free time. <laughs> I, I think like. One of the biggest things for for how to do it right is like you mentioned with Blair Witch, them kind of like he's spending several months disappearing, you know, to kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, give this allure to it all. And this movie as well, like, I think it's it's a respect for the medium because found footage movies are about the medium. Like, that's primarily what they're doing. Yes. Like, have you ever seen Man Bites Dog, which is not technically a found footage movie? (laughs) No, I have not. (laughs) But um it's okay oh man i i that would be fun to you know fun to do another episode of fruitless at some point about okay so it's a it's this french movie that is a documentary crew uh it's like from the 90s or so documentary crew following a serial killer oh okay and you know it's like but it's like real it's it's you know it's a fake like it's it's a pre- predecessor to found footage in a lot of ways i think uh, okay okay but yeah, it's yeah, yeah. um you know, it's it's plays in like a weird line between kind of being a horror movie and kind of getting lumped as like an art house or sh- a shocking art house movie. You know, it's I will warn you guys like pretty upsetting <laughs> if, if you um if you are you know one of those right. movies I'm, I'm recommending for if you are someone who likes upsetting movies, not um not just random people but um you know one of the big things and what what's that one that one famous one from the 80s where they uh oh, cannibal holocaust they did like real the the cannibal holocaust which yes, also a, the, the cast also missing. they had to drag him in front of court because <laughs> they got sued for killing the actors and they had to be like no we didn't actually kill the actors <laughs> we just we did kill some animals you know, we, on we screen did actually but, kill a lot know, of animals <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I think you can also tie it to kind of like a a, a long perspective. Um, a lot of uh, horror literature uh, will have that kind of found document mm-hmm. um, element to it, right? You know, Dracula is an epistolary novel, right? Oh, it's, yeah. it's all just you don't ever actually get any, you know, any perspective from Dracula himself. It's all just letters and diary entries and, and, and yeah. kind of assembled together to form a narrative. Fr- Frankenstein. Or, you know, a lot of the Frankenstein, I think, Love- has some of that too. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of the Lovecraftian fiction, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of we've mentioned tonight. Um, and, and the predecessors, like uh, uh, 
uh, it was MR James, the mm. uh, King in Yellow. A lot of it will have that kind of like, you know, I found this document on a, you know, on an expedition to the Orient, you know, yeah, and that yeah. popular at the time, you know, um, that, that there's something to, you know, hey, this horror is, will really get you if you think it's real, you know, yeah. even, even when it's absurd, it clearly, you know, like so much of so that, you know, like you get even in a, more recently, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre famously begins with the the voiceover and on screen text. You know, this is a real incident tragedy that happened to these yeah, poor poor yeah. Texans. You know, <laughs> there's something about um, I don't know, telling people that something is based on a real event or is actually a real work of horror yeah. fiction that you found that uh, you know makes people more willing to play along more willing to scare themselves yeah yeah because i mean well because if this actually happened it is upsetting you know like that is kind of you know it's pretty good <laughs> yeah but um I, and so i think because of that like in that focus on authenticity it, it's always going to be found footage as a genre is always going to be about the medium and so like because of that like there's things where like um if something feels like it's not uh, maybe historically accurate to when this movie is supposedly set. I think that's normally a dumb thing to obsess over, except for with a found footage movie. I think that's what it actually really matters. Yeah, you can get a lot of like the, uh, you know, because VHS was so widely uh, spread of a medium, you mm. know, the first time it was accessible for people to have cameras at home, right? So a lot of the found footage aesthetics are usually based off that kind of VHS. Home video you know, feel. Scratchy, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, home video, bad footage. Um, but I think a lot, of, so a lot of it that naturally is set kind of in the past. Um, mm -hmm. But you end up with that kind of I love the 80s approach to things where it's not... You know, one of the things that WNF does, I think, because, as you mentioned, the director watched so much actual news footage from the time, mm -hmm. is it doesn't feel like what we remember the 80s to be like it feels like what the 80s actually was yeah, like everything's like kind of ugly and abrasive and <laughs> it's not you know uh, yeah it's it's not it's not like a, a I, I grew up watching Spielberg movies and that's what I think the eighties is, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. But yeah. And I think, yeah, because of it, it has to, I think like play with the medium, like I was saying. So, so the reason I brought up man bites dog is like, there's this, there's these scenes like where at one point the boom mic guy walks off away from the camera and you just hear like footsteps and you don't know where they're coming from. And it's because the boom mic guy is like down three floors <laughs> and so like somebody's talking to the camera but you can't hear them but you can hear the loud sound of someone walking upstairs and then you see the boom mic show up behind him and it just makes you constantly think about the process of this being a thing getting recorded by people and mm -hmm. that's also why i appreciated like the um the fast forwarding chunks of wnuf um because it it feels very like it, it draws your attention to this as like a videotape like as a medium and a lot of ones that are really bad. I think part of it is that they don't behave like the actual medium. So like part of it is like, well, why are they even recording this thing at this point anymore in the first place? But then also sometimes it's like, like one of my biggest pet peeves with a lot of found footage movies is 
when it like looks like it's getting distorted because of the spiritual presence of some demonic yeah. entity and it doesn't look like what actual footage getting distorted looks like which i know sounds pedantic or when they're running they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll always do the thing where it's running and it cuts between like two frames of a shot yeah in a way that yeah that's not you know it's, it's not what this would look like and i know that sounds pedantic but with found footage the, the it's that's the point it needs to look authentic like that you know see here's here's a hot take i know that you're a fan of this um i don't know mode mode of filmmaking history of filmmaking so is found footage the the dogma 95 of horror movies <laughs> you know um yes and no um <laughs> I, I mean i know they had like an explicit rule like no genre films yeah. no no murder so you, it can't you, you, you can't, it, it yeah. doesn't fit the actual the rules uh, by definition but you know there's something to that kind of like all right you know uh, the actors and directors become anonymous because they're supposed to be, it's supposed to be found footage, real mm -hmm. um, recordings of actual people that, that I think you kind of get that a little bit with the, that, that one of the dogmas about, you know, not attaching the director's name yeah. to the, to the, the credits, you know, so the, I wonder, which you know, I mean, the, the not using that does happen when this movie. only diegetic music, mm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, there's there's some there's some overlap. I, I think I think that's there. I, I think the only difference is that Dogma ninety five doesn't necessarily make you think like um like okay, the person holding the camera, you're aware of that in Dogma ninety five because it's trying to make you think of the artifice of movies with found footage. It's more like diegetic that somebody's holding the the camera. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's not making you it, it <sighs> right. Yeah, right. like like usually the camera is being held and you know who's holding it. You're more aware of the subjectivity of it. As with Dogma, it's more like you know it, the reason the camera is like the shaky, shitty camcorder or something, and that you can maybe see one of the cameramen in the reflection or whatever is because it's trying to make you go like, remember this is just like actors, you know. And this is mm -hmm. just, you know, it's, it's, it's Brecht, it's Brechtian, right? <laughs> almost, it's almost the opposite, uh, effect then. Yeah, you that's know, fair. The, where found footage is trying to immerse you in this. And Dogma 95 is, you know, it, don't forget, this is a, a product. This is, this was made by yeah. human hands and human labor. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause yeah, found footage is about like kind of the magic trick. Of being able to kind of buy the idea that this was just on a tape that I found at, you know, at a, a thrift store or something. But, <laughs> oh, it's actually something fucked up. Or, oh, this is the recording that we found of this uh, dead, you know, dead camera crew out in the woods, you know, like with Blair Witch or whatever. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, I think a potentially underexplored um, mode of, of found footage is the Internet um the violence that we see on the internet all the time right like like real life mm -hmm. you know snuff films that that get posted on you know social media anytime one's going around on tiktok all the schools will get you know what you should what you should know about your teenager and their phones and, mm -hmm. and you know it'll be just some legitimately awful real life violence that is getting spread over um you know the, the phones that are that are so so much a part of our lives that you know it's interesting to me I think that that, that hasn't been, uh, as far as I'm aware, as explored when it comes to found footage. But you know, that's mm -hmm. usually, you know, 15 seconds of of 
a video or or just a still image of a picture versus you know yeah a 90 minute movie is a well, little harder to maybe sustain that I, yeah i i would say like i i'm sure there's 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 stuff that i think plays into the fear of snuff films but not um no i don't think it's 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 quite it's it, there's not a lot of modern stuff i would say that that plays into that fear yeah. of like oh my god is this actually going to be a real person dying because like f- for me snuff films is something i i like i I've, I've done a very good job avoiding that content as much as i can i've avoided a, like i have not fallen for many of the like shock yeah. things you know that kind of they I, I don't know i i've and it, I, part of that's a conscious thing because i think it genuinely it it genuinely disturbs me in a way some other stuff doesn't and i think in that's yes and so if you can simulate that sense of being disturbed though without it being actually real that's what the feat of found footage at its best is is that like oh my god is this real and that's you know that's that's kind of like yeah. i don't know that's that's what um i think attracts people to seeing awful shit like that oftentimes is just that like unsettling feeling of both this is real but also why did it get filmed and why is it getting distributed those are i think the scary questions kind of built into yes. a violent image like that well yeah that uh, to me then you know you talked about found footage is inherently about the medium um and i think part of that then is that it's also about um the i don't know the form that you're watching mm. this found footage in right like i had mentioned way back at the beginning if you found vhs of this in the wild it'd be really scary actually plopped it in yeah. it would yeah it would be it would you would you would you would watch the movie differently but you know or, or even if you know someone like sent you a link to a, a you know sketchy looking website and is like yo look at this you know <laughs> this this crazy uh you know footage that that was found from the 80s and somebody uploaded online like that would change how you view it versus mm-hmm. you know i'm putting in a blu-ray or i'm selecting this on a, a streaming app that, that that changes how you view it or you know, even going to see in a movie theater mm-hmm. like, you know all of these um the same content affects us differently in all these different ways that we can watch it and you know, mm-hmm. i think that that's uh, another thing that found footage can make us think about you know as artistically uh, what is the effect of how i'm viewing this yeah have on me yeah, yeah, I think that's that's it. It's because it, it draws attention to that kind of to, it draws attention, yeah, to to the medium and the mode of consuming and all that in a way that um, a lot of other styles don't. Because found footage is all about that. Like, if you want to do a good found footage movie, you have to deal with like, okay, how would somebody be finding this? That's like I think the first question you're asking yourself. Like, yeah, like. Oh, yeah. you know, like where, where it, it, if you wanted to make a found footage movie that was like, say, a YouTube short film, you would think of it as like, well, what's kind of the unsettling thing somebody could stumble across on YouTube at like 2 a.m., you know, because that's the kind of context you want to be kind of invoking. Yeah. And, you know, I think that uh, what you said there of why, why did somebody, how did somebody find this and, and what was their thinking behind how they edited it all together? I think that's where a lot of, found footage movies just really yeah miss the mark of what they could potentially be even even movies that i think are genuinely pretty good uh like entertaining pieces of media well they, they don't um they don't they don't they don't consider a lot of those things when they're making a found footage project they're just it's kind of just a it's a cheap easy way to 
you know, not have to have an expensive camera rig or hire, you know, <laughs> professional actors. You just get to, you know, shoot it, shoot it handheld and, and with my, with my buddies, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, that's the, the, I rem in a, you know, one of my, I, I, I didn't, I didn't take a lot, but I, I remember taking as an elective one film course in, in college. And one of the, one of the rules the professor had was, uh, if you can't make it good, make it funny. Um, and I think that that's a lot of the found footage that I watch that is good, but doesn't necessarily like live up to the high standards of what uh, feeling like an actual piece of found media. Uh, it's because it's it's entertaining, it's funny, you know. It's like a yeah. It, it's it's like that. Deadstream was an example of that, where it's like okay, you know, the, the effects are cheesy and goofy, and it doesn't actually. I don't ever actually think that this is a real haunting, but it's funny, you know. So. Yeah, actually, I'm glad you brought up Deadstream because I think of like even though I wouldn't call it like an amazing found footage movie, like I think I gave it like three stars. I don't know on, on Letterbox, but. I, yeah, it's like no, a, I, that was that was entertaining. You know I, you know? Actually, I, I think I gave it more than that because I think I think that one is a bit underrated because although it yeah you have to get back okay yes it's a found footage of a Twitch stream right right and like that's one of those things that is not <laughs> promising when you hear <laughs> but. I think it delivers on that pretty uh, well. You know, he immediately lives up to, like, what you well, yeah, think. It's, yeah. <laughs> he's immediately like, yeah, I'm a Twitch streamer. <laughs> here's, here's all the things I've been canceled for, you know. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, because the character is, is uh, yeah, it's, it's funny, like you mentioned. And the character is engaging enough. And um, I also think, you know, the story probably couldn't be told outside of the Twitch thing. Because multiple times it's like... It, you know, it, it's a pretty good joke in it consistently is like things getting answered about what's going on because like some 12 year old asked their grandma who's like watching the stream and then they send in a video. And so it, right. I, I don't know. There's a degree where it's like, I don't know if this story like this, it does change the way the story is being told because it's being told through this. The the joke I think about all the time from that movie is his, uh, when he's answering um, user comments on there and someone says, like, were you bullied for, um, you know, they didn't call you crater face in high school? And he said, no, because I still had <laughs> acne back then. That's just that's a perfect joke. I love, I love it. <laughs> um, you know, this this is OK. In contrast to have you ever seen Dead Wear? It was in 2021. Oh, no, I don't think I've seen that one. This is one of the ones that pisses, pissed me off and made me start thinking about what, what makes me really hate certain found footage movies. So it's another one kind of like Deadstream where it's set on a computer and it's supposed to be like a screen recording. You know, we saw a bunch of a mm -hmm. bunch of these kind of rise up in like the mid-2010s, I think, with like Unfriended, some oh, of those. Right. You know? And I think there was probably three or four that came about directly because of COVID. Which actually Deadware Dead so. does that. So, but the thing is, Deadware is supposed to be set in 1999, but they're doing a video call on a computer, and they make it look like a cheap old computer, but also, like, <laughs> it doesn't, and, you know, I know. Yeah, it had to be, you know, it had to be like 50p, yeah. you know, for it to be accurate, and, and still and lagging then, for it to be accurate, you know? They're still dropping, like, the modern slang throughout it, too. Like th there's no, it doesn't, it doesn't. And so why it pissed me off is because I felt like initially I was being pedantic a little bit where I'm like, I don't know. I watched the fun genre movie yeah. and I'm mad that it's not historically accurate. Right, you don't want to be the cinema sins like ding guy. That's the worst guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like be because of it being found footage, it needs to be about the medium and this medium could not take place. <laughs> 
this? <laughs> None of this makes sense, you know? And then you have, yeah, you're supposed to have some, supposedly have people in 1999 saying, oh, my friend totally ghosted me. Are you fucking with me? No. <laughs> why not just set it in the present like why do this yeah that's a good question too you know i think uh a lot of yeah why are you making us a period piece uh it's a question that more people probably should ask other than just like i like the you know aesthetic of that era and i think like wnuf does a good job of you know especially through all of the commercials you really get a sense of like what are the neuroses of the of 80s america (laughs) you really get a full picture of you know uh just all the yeah i mean everything um yeah absolutely (laughs) it it it, it definitely answers the question why is this set at this period you know so like I, i haven't seen any of the sequels of this but this is also an issue with vhs um mm hmm the, the, I've seen all yeah. of them, so we can. I, <laughs> I can go into it. I, I don't like them, but I've seen. I've, I've, <laughs> some of them I like, but I've heard they get better. But that it, first one is the only one I saw. I, and I think the first one's the worst. Yeah, it's there's like one good of, segment in the first one. Part of it is there is no goddamn reason this needs to be technically set in the '90s, right? Like, I don't think that ever pays off, except for I think once where somebody at a Halloween party is wearing a Unabomber uh costume and i'm like okay all right now i see this i guess the 90s it makes more sense that he's doing that but like on the whole there's no reason that this is set at this time it it doesn't like really have any impact and then also i think it's really unclear what you're watching throughout it like you know because there's supposed to be that framing device and it, it the framing device just does not work you, like there's no, they, no they, sense of, they, like, they drop the yeah. framing device after like the third one much to i think it's benefit it's just you know yeah it's um it's it's really really rough um and well, also and the other uh, thing that those movies have that the, the cgi is always i mean one it's not it's not good cgi but it never it, <laughs> it, it always is distracting you know it, it's uh, as again uh, this is what you know blair witch famously you don't see the witch right <laughs> there's no there's nothing that there's ever like breaks that. that like this couldn't actually happen you know there's no bad cgi witch that you know <laughs> pops out and is tries to try to get a jump scare on you i don't know the, in wnuf there's the violence is all practical uh you, you know yeah the, the, there's no there's no cgi monstrosities that because again that you know that always that takes you out every single vhs segment so the ones that i've in work better for me or at least kind of operating on a level of um unreality already or mm-hmm. they're not they're not going for a found footage effect they're just going for a you know a vhs yeah. kind of effect if that makes sense you know i don't know yeah yeah i think the found footage aspect of vhs is the worst aspect because most of them would be better as not found footage movies like as, as <laughs> just a regular old horror short film you know like you can do that yeah <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know, just, like, looking at the directors on VHS, too, it's, like, I don't know, like, I I feel like, like, Ty West, who I like, feels like he's really phoning it in <laughs> on VHS. And... You know, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a Ty West hater. I, you know, oh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've... But, um, <laughs> and, and his, you know, his, his segment on v, the first VHS, I think, is the worst one. Because <laughs> he, he, so, he, he directed the one that Joe Swanberg is acting in where, where uh. it's, the, it's, it's the, it's the couple on vacation. Um, and yeah. you know, 
it's it's just kind of like they're goofing around for the first two thirds of the movie, and then hard cut. You know, they they, they kill Joe Swanberg, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess those is. In retrospect, there was a story there, but in, in the moment, it didn't feel like anything was happening. It's it's a bit of a well. I think I think part of part of why that doesn't work is is Joe Swanberg, who I don't know if I've talked about on Fruitless is like my sword enemy. Like I fucking hate Joe Swanberg, <laughs> <laughs> and I like Ty West, but I really wish he'd stop hanging out with Joe Swanberg. Have you ever? Do you know like uh, you know any of the Joe Swanberg you know real life? lore i don't know lore is the right word there but have you ever heard of any of the i i I know like a bit but i mostly i went through a kick where i tried to watch a bunch of mumblecore movies this year and i saw a lot of great movies and a lot of like there are a handful of great movies there's a lot of trash in that genre and most of that trash was made by joe swanberg who also finds a way to whip out his dick a lot in movies and i'm resentful i am resentful of that um in the movie kissing on the mouth he jerks off to completion on camera and i've seen that and i i wish i could unsee that so i i'm resentful yeah. of it speaking <laughs> of avoiding snuff films man <laughs> uh i but uh, I think- again you know this 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 could be cut for time but so you know fantastic fest like the film festival they have in austin yeah, uh, yeah, Alamo Draft House puts it on. Um, they used to. I don't know if they still do, but they used to have. Uh, I, I don't know what they would call it, but they would have. They would have these debates, but uh, about a f- topic. Um, that then after they do the you know verbal debates, they would box. Um, and Joe Swanberg <laughs> was in one of these debates, boxing against. Prepare yourself for this, Devin Faraci. Uh, <laughs> Famously canceled Devin Faraci uh, debating the merits of, of found footage and like uh, the mumble core. Um, oh. and, and then and they debated and then and then punched each other. And that's one of those, you know, uh, like like alien versus predator. Whoever wins, we lose kind of events. Uh, it would be fun to watch Joe Swanberg get punched in the face, though. So maybe I will watch that. <laughs> No, yeah, I just, um, I think his, he represents everything that's wrong with Mumblecore, which is narcissistic people without much to say that are using these, this sort of facade of being deep to force you to watch them either metaphorically or literally jack off. And what I mean by that is just like, you know, it's just constantly him doing stuff for his own pleasure in front of the camera and being like, isn't this deep? And it, it's even later in life, his supposedly good one, which is mid uh, drinking buddies, is also him just hiring a bunch of celebrity friends to hang out with him for a weekend. You know, in a like in a it's like the yeah. rich person's version of the cheap jerking off on camera uh, <laughs> to me where it's just. <laughs> yeah you know it is interesting that these guys are you know that there's that that does feel like what if i watched a found footage movie that there was there was no horror in i mean i guess the horror is all you know social it's all i'm, I'm yeah listening to these vapid rich usually white people <laughs> have conversations about their tragic sex lives for it's you awful. know an hour and yeah. a half and it's like if i want to if i want that i can just read david foster wallace what do i need joe swanberg for <laughs> you know right <laughs> you know i i think talking about mumblecore though does kind of match like 
I think I think fit with with found footage because I think there's there was kind of a shift of like mumblecore people to fuck with found footage because it was the natural kind of extension right. if you wanted to start making genre films because like um you know Mark Duplass stars in the Creep movies which I don't know how you feel about them but I I actually do like those um I I I know that's a yeah no they're they're, they're better yeah yeah um I think mostly just because the character in them is entertaining and. You know that makes it, <laughs> it maybe entertaining. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, there, there's something. Yeah, I don't know. There, there was. It's now I'm thinking about it. You know, so you get uh, the found footage genre. You get mumblecore, um, and you also kind of get the mockumentary style of sitcom all simultaneously. I wonder. That, oh, that's an yeah. interesting thing to think about. Uh, like, what, what's going on in our psyche? Is that we yeah. want? Yeah. Be... Want, we want this kind of like faux realism in our fiction. We need, yeah. you know, so much so that like, in, you know, the mockumentaries are so funny on sitcoms. You know, you start off with like The Office where it's, you know, there's actually characters that are the camera crew that are, you know, filming this. And by the end, you end up with, you know, Modern Family that it's, um, you know, <laughs> they, they just do cutaway gags because that's that makes it easy to deliver punchlines. You know, so, yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know, you, there's no and, realism to the documentary in, and the, in Modern the, Family or Parks and Rec, but yeah, you know. it just has that like handheld look to it. But it, you know, not thinking about like who this camera crew supposedly is or anything. Like, in, yeah, in Modern Family, it's it's like I don't know, <laughs> it's 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 the Dogma '95 sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> i don't stand by that at all um but i think that's a funny sentence uh <laughs> no it's it's uh really it's it's george bush's fault this is another thing we can add on his sins I think so. he gave us uh he gave us joe swanberg you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i no, but i i think that the yeah the turn to the mockumentary style to a sitcom i think that that does all kind of fit yeah there is this turn to like i uh you know the the maybe the hyper real might be the like fun philosophical mm-hmm. way of framing that right because it's like you you still know the illusions there but it's like i don't know it's it, it well actually the hyper real is like when it gets to like modern family or whatever where it's imitating imitations of reality so much that it's just kind of its own thing now it's just kind of become its own right yeah um but yeah. like you know you get kind of in succession a little bit you know that adam mckay influence mm-hmm. on that style i don't think he ever did a mockumentary proper but um you know that that his that that uh, heavy improvisational style and uh, you know handheld camera, so you can do like rapid, you know, mm-hmm. pan whip zooms. You know to to emphasize uh, the the, act, the facial acting uh, that's going on. It, that that yeah, I think that does kind of all come from this same you know like you're saying desire to uh, escape the artifice. You know I don't know that mm-hmm. we, we don't we don't have Hollywood musicals anymore. That's it, it, it's it's too that's asking too much of the believer uh, the audience to to buy into to believe it yeah there's just something there and i think what's actually kind of frustrating about that shift is because that that shift has happened throughout the history of cinema a lot right the like move toward like realism and generally that tug is often like left-wing movements trying to be like um Mm -hmm. You know, so like the think of like the Italian neorealists, right? They're like, look, this is war torn Italy. This is war torn Germany. This is this kind of like we're showing you reality rather than what's like, you know, the cutesy shit on TV. Like this is the actual destroyed buildings. And, you know, that's kind of a burst of that. And then you have like, 
you know, well, Dogma '95 and like the '90s, you know, kind of has that that same. Yeah, you know, Altman before that a little Altman, bit. You know, um, the dialogue talking of each other. Yeah, yeah. The and then like in the Soviet Union, you had like the Czech New Wave and um, the Yugoslav Black Wave. Like both had that same like, or or actually the the Budapest School in in Hungary all have these like documentary looks. Um, you know, they want to kind of have that handheld camera look of realism, usually to highlight the living conditions of people in the in the countries. And especially with like Soviet countries, it was more, you know, Soviet movements. It was more about like, you know, pushing back against socialist realism, you know, against like the kind of mm-hmm. facade of like, oh, everything's great here. It's like, well, it actually sucks. And here's a movie about like. Uh, <laughs> uh, a mom who's like right, forced you know, to the, live with like her 10 kids because there's no housing in Hungary or something like that. You know, like that's <laughs> yeah, that, that style that found its, you know, it, it's it's uh, peak arguably uh, with uh, with The Wire, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, this a little joking there, but you know, that is that kind of, that is that same sure, impulse yeah, yeah. of, uh, you know, the docudrama, they, they, that was mm. the big, you know, when, they, when it was coming out that they were selling you on like it was it was filmed like a documentary and then yeah look at how messed up baltimore actually is you know um but, oh. but on the point of hyper reality i don't know if you know there's mm. a you know a lot of the he 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 used a lot of you know real police uh as kind of some of the supporting characters in the show um you know real baltimore people you can tell who's doing the baltimore accent and who's oh yeah, you know, yeah. actually from baltimore a little bit but there's this one bit, you know, spoilers for I think season four of The Wire, where um, where everyone's favorite, you know, totally real character Omar, you know, jumps off of the out of a building window and like yeah. is able to still like limb away injured. And at the time, there were all these people that were like, "Man, this is so unrealistic! Like, how could he survive such a thing?" And David Simon's like, "All right, here's like the news article that I wrote of like a real I did this, and it was like." eight stories you know uh, uh but we had we had to we had to make it more realistic for the fictional telling so that you would believe that it was it was real there's it, an interesting like you know to tie yeah, to that yeah. hyper realism that that you have to you have to make the, the the fiction you know more real than reality for us to buy into it almost mm-hmm. yeah that's that's really interesting yeah, I, I think that there's probably, yeah, there's probably something to that um, being kind of a thing coming out of, yeah, yeah, I don't know, the, the 90s onward, I think, in general, like in our, <laughs> our media. Oh, but um, what, what I was going to say with like all those, the various movements in the past that have done this versus, say, a lot of found footage movies, a lot of, um, you know, mumblecore, stuff like that, is that turn to like the, oh, we're going to really emphasize the real here is not usually getting employed for the same goal now that it was in those previous moments. It's Mm. not like, you know, it's not social realism, you know, it's not like, Oh, look at the, you know, some of the Mumblecore movies get closer to that with the, like, Oh, I get the feeling of like the, the guy who's graduated from college and can't find a fucking job. Like some of that starts kind of drifting (laughs) a little bit into like, okay, this is how real life is under the, you know, material circumstances of, you know, mid 2000s capitalism or whatever. But like on the whole, it's it's mostly just be using it for narcissistic ends or with a lot of found footage movies. It's just not I don't know. It's it's not doing anything yeah. with that realism. It's it's the yeah, the kind of like documentary yeah. style kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I, hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I wonder too if if um there's something about that just the different ways that we have uh you know, post uh, post the internet uh, approach different, you know, filmic mediums that that has kind of made it so that um I don't know, yeah, that it's 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 uh like uh, that's why so much of this part of why in addition to just liking that VHS aesthetic a lot of these movies jump back to the 80s and 90s is this you know that that there also is a, a sense of like you know that was before the end of history right i don't know there's there, maybe there's something there about you know that mm-hmm. the found footage you know in the present is is all um you know the, 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 there's it's not like a lot that can be the fact that the footage had to be found implies a, a disaster right it implies that yeah if, if 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 it was if i just uploaded it myself it wouldn't be found footage it'd be man i experienced this crazy thing you know go look at it um mm-hmm. you know so that there's a hopelessness to a lot of found footage movies that maybe um kind of comes from that uh end of history turn you know there's no mm-hmm. there's no disasters already happened before the movie even started because it's found footage, you know, the disaster happened yeah. before we were born even. Yeah. And so all we have is, I don't know, the ability to reflect on the past or whatever. And, you know, this might be something that would be an imp- a, a way of moving forward with it as a genre would be like trying to add more of that editorial voice that we kind of like gestured at with WNUF yeah. having the fast forwarding. I don't know how to do it right, but like something like that, where it has the intrusion of the present on it. I think one of the, maybe one of the ways of doing that is, and this drifts whether these even count as found footage anymore, but the like more documentary style um, stuff. I think that you and I disagree on this though, based off letterbox, but Lake Mungo is an example of this to me, but which I, I really liked. It's entirely possible. I was just too tired when I'm watching that, you know, that's the thing we always have to admit with our reviews. <laughs> you know, I watched that in bed. I might've been tired. I might've just thought like, this is well, boring because I'm falling asleep, but it, you yeah. know, but <laughs> and my, my girlfriend had the ex- same reaction to it though. So it's like, it's, I think it's either it gets you or it doesn't that movie. Um, a more recent yeah. one though is which I think takes Lake Mungo and makes it better actually is is Savage Land which okay. uh, Jack I'll have to check me. that one out yeah I, I think partially because it's got a a racial element to it so it's um mm. a documentary about like a whole town in in Texas near the border gets just completely massacred and the one guy who survives is is just a, a single Mexican guy who took a bunch of camp uh, f- pictures. Mm. And the whole town uh, uses the pictures to blame him for this thing that as the pictures are getting developed, he clearly did not do and something oh, else wow. happened. It's so I, it's it's a uh, it's got a little more of that yeah. bite of that. I don't know that that. But, you know, it introduces an a, a editorial voice, a narr- narration or something to it that I think is maybe necessary mm. of like we're reflecting on these objects from the past, but there's something new being introduced to it. Um. And there's a there's like a radical tradition of that too with like uh, Peter Watkins films from the sixties and seventies in Britain were these like you know fake documentaries but they were from a distinctly like radical perspective um, so I, you know it's there yeah. it's there yeah you know I wonder too this isn't uh, found footage um, but I wonder if if um, you know so there's a, something that uh, isn't is more intentional with how it breaks the reality of a found footage movie um, maybe could be used to a good effect. Like I'm thinking of like a mm-hmm. Michael Haneke's funny games. Like if they, Oh yeah. 
you know, you know, if there was if there was something like that where it's the 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 editor of this found footage film like going into the edit and making you know changing the story with intentionality, I think you could you could do something interesting with that that might progress the the genre a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, just I don't know, messing with the narrative that your footage doesn't do, but Dogma ninety five does, where you're like, yeah, it making you think, it reminding you, you're watching an edited product, you know, uh, and, and making you question like who who's doing the editing here, who is telling the stories mm-hmm. that we receive in society, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, I think that's that's the best way to uh, yeah, kind of go forward. And actually, I kind of um, yeah, I I, I like that that. I like the use of, of that that specific way of framing it too. Is it making you question who's telling you this story? It almost makes it um, I don't know, like you're engaging with this uh, collaboratory. Like the the audience is kind of part of this interpretive mm-hmm. process of what's going on and being aware of like who's telling them the story. That's um, you know, mentioning Peter Watkins. That was like his whole philosophy was like trying to really draw attention to um the artifice of like the medium of television that just kind of delivers you information and so he'd like set these documentaries that would be about like you know wars that there was not a camera crew at it like medieval war and then it's like got a documentary (laughs) camera crew there and he's trying to just draw your attention to the artifice of it all and i i think that's i don't know there's there's some lessons to that that i think if you wanted to make a good like political found footage film, I think that would be or even if it's not intentionally political, but just like taking taking the genre and kind of fucking with it. I think that would be how you would do it. Yeah. You know, don't don't uh, doesn't let you uh, it, it, it kind of makes the genre a bit more um, like a campfire story, too, in that sense. Like, mm, you, you know, mm. uh, like that's that's one of the things that I you know, personally have never enjoyed about, you know, reading like creepypasta online is that you know I, I it's not there, there's no relationship that i have between me and the and the you know author on the internet mm. versus that that same story told by you know it's like okay someone saying this 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 happened to me you know or oh this happened to a buddy of mine you know like at a campfire tall tale uh you know sp- spooky story session that um that that is what makes the story work and it, for me in a certain sense is that it's okay this is a you know I'm buying into the reality of this is this is my friend telling me the story and not yeah, you know, yeah. a stranger online. Yeah. And then, yeah, so maybe yeah, building up that like, you know, this is a, a this is an ed- this is someone coming together and editing this footage in a specific way to tell a specific story, you know, but mm-hmm. letting you know that yeah, that I'm I'm telling this story. I, I don't know. Yeah. That, that might change how we how we view it a little bit if if yeah the director comes on like hi you know my name is so-and-so and i I have a little found footage project for you you know that's yeah yeah i i think that's a good um maybe a good place to start like wrapping up here but yeah like the the introduction of kind of an editorial or authorial voice into found footage is i think something that's that would would help it move past its its end of history slump that we've kind of described here i think yeah (laughs) um well i know steven i know you have some stuff you wanted to like plug before we wrap up here you have some some projects going on right now so why don't you tell everyone about that yeah so hopefully this will be uh live by the time that uh, the episode drops but uh, i'm starting a a comic book uh i don't know what you call it analysis uh blog um it's at spikestonehands.com uh and 
the way that I, I would frame it is is that uh, you know, comic books to me, what makes them so powerful is that unlike a film, um, a comic book is 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 just lines, right? At the end of the day, it's just lines mm-hmm. and colors drawn on a paper, but in such a way that it tricks our brains into thinking that there's real people and real characters and, and real story happening. Um, and you, know, you can generate this sympathy from, again, just lines and sometimes colors. Uh, and to me, that that's, that's, that's magic. That's the magic of comic Mm-hmm. So, and just uh, the idea being, it, it's just a blog where I go through comic books I like and try to explain, like, okay, what is the artist and, and the artistic team doing here in order to uh, get you to buy in? So, some of it is kind of similar to film theory. Some of it's, you know, comic book theory. It's really a, a kind of underdeveloped field a little bit. There's only mm-hmm. a few key works in that, but so I'm trying to trying to advance that field a little bit of like what, yeah. what makes a comic book work, you know. So it's at spikestonehands.com. Um, oh, that'll yeah. be that'll that'll be the site, and I'll probably include you know just other like, hey, here's here's uh, here's some some comic book recommendations. You know, less less work on my end to just say this is good. Uh, <laughs> to try and explain why I think it's good. So Absolutely. you know, <laughs> when when I'm when I'm lacking for content, well, well that, that that's the barrel <laughs> I'll be digging. <laughs> oh yeah, well I'm excited uh, excited to see what you do with that. Um, so yeah, that's summoned soon. I will uh, I will stick the link to that in the show notes for people who are interested. Um, and I think with that, I will say thank you everybody for listening to fruitless and thank you, Steven for joining me this evening. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> time, time to go sleep. Yeah. <laughs> this late night conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Fruitless, a podcast brought to you by our lovely patrons who include Chris Barker, Leo Dickinson, James R., Thomas C., Kyle Gannis, Moss, The Worst of All Possible Worlds, and Elizabeth Power. Thank you so much to everybody who supports the show. And if if you want to join the list of names at the end of episodes, you can do that by joining our Patreon, which is uh, is in the show notes. If you like what you heard today uh consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review on apple podcasts which which helps us in the algorithm and all that um don't forget to check out spike stonehand's uh new comics blog uh divining comics uh in the show notes at spikestonehand.com and um yeah, just just follow uh everyone involved with the show all the time on social media <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and you have a you have a good day.